Hello, this is Billy Moon. Thanks for tuning into my podcast. It's 2022 already, season three. As COVID stays in our lives, I missed talking and learning from other creatives. And I discovered a newfound hobby of connecting people to other people to get close to their dreams. So bear with my interview skills, if any, and dive into the stills of life. Are you ready? Let's go. I am sitting here with Jeff Shepard. Hi. Location manager, location scout, part-time photographer, and all-around industry man. <laughs> Jeff, thank you so much for coming today. Nice to be here. It's very easy drive. I guess everyone's off the road today. That's a huge perk when you live in L.A. County. You just want to yeah. get somewhere real quick. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm lucky because there's so much parking for you, for yeah. people. I, we should tell people how we met Yes, through my father, who was a hotel manager at the time, a few years ago. You were... Black Monday season two. Yes. And starring Don Cheadle. Yes. For HBO, Don, right? Don was there. Was Showtime. 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 Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Showtime. That's why people. most people haven't seen it. it I on. mean, you got a couple of seasons out of it. Uh, I only did season two. They had a season three, but I did, I did all of season two. Yeah. And they did manage to come back for season three. John Cheadle was nominated for the Emmy. Yes. Never won. He's the Susan Lucci of his category. In his entire career, he never won an Emmy? I don't think so, and certainly not for that. Oh. So uh, we were there the, the day after he did not win. Oh. Yes. And, but no one thought he would win, so it was it was fine. Well, I'm sure he carried around professionally on set. Oh, yeah. It was joy. an honor to be nominated. Um, I had a nice moment with Don Cheadle. Uh, I was just, um, this is after I met you and saw the set, and then I just kind of hung around the lobby while you guys doing a setup, and mm-hmm. then he happened to be, uh, kind of roaming around with his backpack on and he was checking his phone and then he kind of stopped in front of me uh, just by chance and he just kind of looked up and said hey how you doing I said hey I was like oh that's cool and then then he walked back well it's just it's just surprising that he greeted first it was a it was a friendly set friendly crew it's nice when you're working on a comedy that everyone's trying to just stay in the the best possible mood all the time yeah and then they go and crack jokes yeah yeah and it happens to be halloween that's right there were some people walking around because i saw a priest yes who ended up being the ad i think our first ad yeah, had so. a full like friars outfit any part-time exorcism uh activities yes. and all that yeah that was a surprise <laughs> Where did you grow up? I grew up in the Detroit area. My whole family was was always lived there. Mm. And uh, what was that like, Detroit? I was in Detroit until the second grade, and then we moved to the next town over called Southfield. And then uh, now my mom's in this town called West Bloomfield. So everyone, every twenty years or so, moves like another town to the north. Safer. So, yeah, it was. Um, it is a lot of s- local spirit. A lot of you know. Everyone's very pro Detroit when you're there, uh, <laughs> but it's much smaller. So the Detroit area, like, would fit right in the middle of the two one three area code here in Los Angeles. So it's just her mom there now. My mom is there half time, and then she spends her winters in Florida. Smart. She's called. They're called snowbirds. So my grandparents bought a place in Florida oh. when I was six years old. Smart. And uh, we used to go down there around the holidays. And now my mom is in the same condo. 
So when I go there, it's like the same place. I used to go swimming when I was a kid. Oh, that sounds lovely. I've never been to Florida. I would love to. There's good and bad parts about Florida. but uh, Yeah, I've, I've heard. So we were just there again over the holidays. So she's oh, there. Cool. And then in May, she goes back to Michigan, spends half the year up there. When did you move to Los Angeles? So I went to Michigan State yeah. for college. And it's really how I, my career got started. I met director who said she was making a film in Detroit. And I, w- and I said, I'm from Detroit. And it was... Uh, who was that? And her name is Christine Choi. And the film was a documentary called Who Killed Vincent Chin? Okay. Which uh, went on to get nominated for an Academy Award. Wow. But I didn't know that at the time. And uh, it was uh, the story of this uh, Asian-American guy who was murdered and became a civil rights case. Uh, by these two white guys and it's uh so i was doing a lot of uh, research and then they came into town with the small crew we were in a van driving around shooting interviews and b-roll and and Mm. it was on film so i so i was interested in cinematography and they said well we don't have a camera assistant would you and i said oh i'll do that and i was loading the 16 millimeter magazines and oh that's nerve-wracking for me yes uh well they don't do film anymore but back that was in the 80s so uh, yeah when they wrapped the producer uh, renee tajima who's still out here she actually teaches at ucla now but she said jeff you should you really need to get out of detroit you should you could go to (laughs) grad school at ucla yeah which is what i ended up doing so it was way cheaper back then yes it was like a hundred bucks, right? When I started, but it was by the time I finished, it was a thousand dollars. So it's, oh, oh, you're serious? Yes, the price just kept going up every. Oh my semester. god, a thousand? That's it, nothing. No, it was that's not, well for in state, and I became a Californian, right. which you can't even do that anymore. Oh my god, tuition's probably like eighty yes. grand now. No, the tuition in state because my daughter is at Berkeley, so I know this. Whoa! So she is. Uh, it's that's a brainy school. Very, we're all very proud. Thank you. So engineer? Huh? No, she's she's she likes uh, the liberal arts. Which film did you see that made you feel seen? Wow, that's a great question. You know, we went to films all the time. My parents, their first date, they went to a movie. Mm. And uh, we yeah. on the weekend, we would always go to the movies. I think I saw 2001 uh. Uh, when I was six or something, you know, in the theater. You remember that? Yes, I remember that. And then we had the, we had the record album, the soundtrack. So it, I kind of remember it from that but i do remember going into the theater as a small child and and not understanding what was happening but turned out nobody did <laughs> wow you remember that that's quite an impact oh yeah you must and have felt like you were floating in space as a kid yes that one shot especially yeah, yeah. then you saw the fetus but that, i didn't feel seen in that film certainly but uh <laughs> <laughs> That'd be, yeah I, I would have a lot of personal questions after that yeah I'm sort of uh, one of the last uh, people who would be considered by some to be in the uh, baby boomers. But I'm not. I'm, when you're at the end of a boom, actually, the boom is over. So there weren't. A, there were a ton of movies about the baby boomers, but my specific generation, there weren't a lot of teen movies about people my age. They were either older or younger. Uh, That's so, right. Yes. Yeah, so you got the Spielberg children. Right. right. 
Then you got the more adult stuff, right? Risky Business with Tom Cruise. Mm. He uh, That's the one? I didn't feel seen, particularly. <laughs> it was just goofy I was like, which character comedy. are you? Tom Cruise had my same SAT score and GPA. And the whole story is... In the film. Can, in the film. But yeah. he can't get into his dream school, so he has to settle for uh, University of Illinois. Okay. Before he was canceled, the Woody Allen movies... Uh, were very popular. So Annie Hall, Stardust Memories. It was a shorter Jewish guy with glasses mm-hmm. stumbling through scenes. He's still working, though. Yes, he's still working. Well, he's... Uh, Some people still believe in him. He has a system, but, you know, unfortunately he married his stepdaughter, so, you know, he's... Oh, so at the time you wanted to be a director? Yes. I guess jump cut. Like, what made you go from shifting from directing to location managing? When I got into... The MFA program, people mm. were like, "Oh, well, they don't, they don't really know much there, but you'll make all these great connections because you're right in Los Angeles." But actually, it turned out they they had all these professors who were from Eastern Europe and had really mastered their craft, but they couldn't work here. They, they didn't really know the Hollywood system, but they were great at teaching you things like the Fluid Master and how to film. And then what the school was great at is getting people internships. And when you graduate, they'd say, well, there's this internship and that internship. And at that point, I had been working on films for years, and I needed to get paid. I didn't need an internship. So I was doing some cinematography at the time, and then I was doing other... Anything that paid was fine with me. <laughs> the, my my bright line was Did that... Did you take it, survival jobs, too? <laughs> oh, sure. But my line in the sand was that if it doesn't pay, I, I can't help you out. I, maybe I should have taken an internship... And that might have led to a different path. And how old were you when you had this uh, rule? Mid-20s. So I had gotten out of uh, UCLA, but I graduated in 92 in the spring, which was the... uh, For $1,000. And then there was... Well, it was probably more than that. But then there was this big... Uh, riots you might have heard about the Rodney King oh, shit, incident. Right. So the town shut down. So there really no one was hiring. Were you anyone. near that? My girlfriend and I at the time went. To, we lived on Hollywood Boulevard. Oh my god! In a one bedroom, and we went to the top of the hill, and you saw the flames Holy. from coming up Crenshaw. From and it was like those oil fires in Kuwait or something. We didn't know. We thought it was going to come all the way up to Hollywood. And it went to the Rock and Roll Ralphs, it's called, <clears throat> excuse me, and people were lined up, every checkout counter, people were lined up to the back of the store. They were hoarding. And I walked into the Ralphs, and uh, you couldn't, uh, I said, I just wanted like milk and eggs and beer. And then there was a little liquor store next door, so I went in there. Oh, and I knocked on the door, and it was locked. But the guy was in there. And he looked at me, he's like, oh, you're harmless. So he let me in, then locked the door behind me, and he had the radio on. It was the Korean radio in Korean, and they were just panic-sounding in Korean. I didn't know what they were saying. And I bought the milk and the eggs and the beer. And ran out of there. And as I was leaving, a couple of African-American guys in tracksuits were knocking on the door, and he didn't want to let them in. And I couldn't get out because he wasn't opening the door. Then what happened? Those guys eventually left, and he let me out. This is all in the midst of... This was the day of the, the riot. The city was exploding. Yes. Then I went back home, and I got my girlfriend, and I said, we, you've got to see what's going on here. And we went up the hill and saw all the 
flames and we just kind of hunkered down in your apartment for the next yeah. like week well for a couple of days it you know it uh eventually calmed down so wow. at that point uh, the people weren't like returning my are phone you gonna calls. make that movie <laughs> there was a tv movie about it that no wasn't no that's so a great. tv movie are you yeah, gonna yeah. make like a, that would that's a like dramatic HBO story limited series or something? there you go that's yeah, like uh, waco Yes, that was something. So then, so there was there weren't a lot of jobs, and then we moved to another house, and then the earthquake happened, and that was an, a, another. You were here for that? Da- I was here for that. Yeah, yeah. So we moved. We were in this smaller apartment. We got. So you're a, basically saying you are immortal. Right? <laughs> you cannot. You are unbreakable. There were eight million people who went through the same thing in a different way. So the house shook like crazy. Oh my gosh! We had just moved into it, Quite and, and then I just took a series of different jobs. I would ad on music videos. That music videos were huge at the time. Yeah. And and, yeah. Uh, and then I had Michael a friend Jackson. who I knew from before I. Went to UCLA. I was in Santa Barbara, and I worked at Public Access at one of the few paid gigs there. Where oh yeah, Public Access was a big deal because every town had to have a production facility that would put shows on for whoever had the cable system. In Santa Barbara, there were a lot of creative people, and uh, and I had a friend there from college. I would have stayed there if I didn't get into UCLA because it was... Gosh, you moved a lot. It was a, yes. That's, that's but this is over years. I'm, I'm condensing still, it for though. you. Were you still kind of searching what your, so to speak, destiny was? Because you're going job to job? Well, yeah, I wanted to find a version of it that paid me because I had to <laughs> live. Because you have a so, girlfriend, you have rent. Yeah. But I didn't want to have a restaurant job because all my friends in college who had oh. restaurant jobs, that's all they did. Oh, and it was it paid better, so I stayed away from that. And I, was, I wanted some sort of paid opportunity in yeah. the and film you love business. movies, so. yes, and I love movies. So. so I had a friend from Santa Barbara who was, was now in L.A. and he had started doing locations. He had some money, and his family had money, and he it was getting around Christmas time. And he's like, Jeff, the family's going to Hawaii this Christmas. Can you fill in this location job? I'm sure you can do it. You've done enough of this stuff a low budget movie that was had another week to go they were like oh jeff you're great thanks for coming in oh you're (laughs) and then they said we've got another movie in january were you surprised no you weren't surprised how good you were no i always knew i could do it it was a matter of just getting in there after that i did another one and they they basically of these shows they only had two hundred dollars for the manager and a hundred dollars for the assistant but you couldn't get someone to work for $100 a day. So you basically find someone to be your co-manager and you'd get 150 each. I did a bunch of those and they'd say it's going to be five days a week at the start. But then they'd look at the budget and say, you know what, it's going to be a six-day week. And those were just terrible because mm. after six days, the seventh day is called laundry <laughs> and you'd be exhausted and do your laundry and then show up the repeat. next repeat yeah. and it was like three six day weeks was a feature and then that producer if he or she could make the movie for a million dollars and they could put it on VHS and sell they could get it into blockbuster video oh I they miss would, those they would make their money back oh okay because there would be 20,000 blockbusters and and that was their business model. Okay. And they were making these constantly. And there were all these little low-budget companies. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and if someone could show up 
and work for $150 a day. So we were, and the whole crew was just getting beat up like that. And all the department heads were get, were being offered this $200 a day. It was, God, things were so cheap back then. It was so cheap. And they called it um, most favored nations, which was an expression saying that all the department heads would agree that they wouldn't take more than that. So everyone knew what everyone was getting, and it was nothing. Well, yeah, compared to today. Yes. Yeah. What's your union called? We're we're with the Teamsters, which is a the huge union mm-hmm. that's international. Okay. The legend is that when lo- the location managers wanted to unionize in New York, they had managed some of them. The top guys were in the Directors Guild, but on the West Coast, the directors didn't want to. They didn't want to take locations. And the the other big union is IATSE. Yeah. And they didn't either. But the Teamsters said yes. Mm-hmm. And now I think most people are very happy with that arrangement. That mm. uh, that location. And now they've expanded. They've added uh, the... Um, they have the animal wranglers, which they've had for years. And now they have the casting agents. Mm. They were non-union until under 10 years ago. Okay. And, and the so now we have the casting agents and the Teamsters. Uh, we the location manager section of Local 399, they negotiate uh, our own contract. Just oh, they do. For locations. What are some misconceptions about being a location manager for films? Well, on this one low budget show, I walked in the first day and the producer said, "Listen, I don't want you guys just going to some location service and getting a bunch of folders because my six-year-old son could do that. Some people think it's so easy. That's a smart You son. just go on the internet, point at a picture of a house, yeah. and then say, here, shoot there, and then you're just sort of the middleman. Uh-huh. It's, it's super easy and uh-huh. fun. <laughs> and I go to parties, and people say, what do you do? Oh, locations, that must be fun. <laughs> and it can be fun, but it's, uh, it, 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 there's just a lot more to it than just saying, I'll go there. Or they say, oh, well, you pick the look at, well, what happens after that? And then the, you see the light bulb go off in their head. Oh, you have to do everything when they go in there. And then they start making a face like they smelled something. Like, oh, that doesn't sound fun. <laughs> but it's fun for you. It is everything. You know, it's you start off, everyone's bright-eyed and enthusiastic. Yeah. You know, it ends up you're moving a trash can at three in the morning. So it's <laughs> you. You physically are. You can be. It's. Uh, Aren't there PAs do, for that? PAs <laughs> do a great job. They can move the trash can for you. But the PAs get take their marching orders from the assistant directors. Right. And if they're short of PAs, they you gotta uh, trash it. I think it's gotten better lately. You're pretty much a producer in your own department because you have to deal with these forms and negotiate and smooth talk, and you're building your own network of assets like a cia officer and uh (laughs) you're also taking your own photos right when you're driving around yes i mean this is after you have those production meetings with like what do you want what do you want it to look like i can go find that you start a show and there's a schedule and there's a budget and there's a script that calls for these locations the director wants to see these places they have to happen on a given day and it has to be within the budget. When they're getting started, like it's a show I just did. They they hired me for a couple of weeks. That I'm, we're not even sure if they're going to make it, but they want as a proof of concept. They wanted to scout for a few days and see if it was out there, 
And I said, yes, I think it's there. We can do this and we can do that. And I, and I told the producer, I think this is what it's going to cost. And he said, okay, well, I'm going to find some money because the show hasn't actually budgeted yet. Mm-hmm. And you can take the director and the producer out and show him okay. these, a few places. And then we'll do a rough schedule. And that's how it gets started. Okay. That's that's a great origin. When you deal with like these business owners or property owners, like, I mean, you know, it's LA, people get suspicious. Like, how do you put them at ease? And like, because you can't like show a badge or anything. Be like, hey, I'm actually in the movie business. I'm interested in your property. Well, you might have some studio badge. I get asked for that all the time. Oh. Uh, so I have something that says, has my picture and says Warner Brothers and it looks official enough or a business card, which almost no one uses anymore. Often the first question I'll ask is, have you ever had filming here before? Uh. Have you done this before? So some locations, some places have had so much filming, they really know the drill and they're really happy to see you because the location person is the first step to getting that large check that they're looking for yes they are and usually the best ones to work with they have to want two things they have to want the money and they have to want all the activity that the filming involves because if they want the money and they hate seeing people traipsing in and out Mm. they're never going to be happy there, it's just some people are just so fastidious. How do you convince them that it's going to be fine before principal photography even happens? It's a, it's really you have to have these people skills yeah. and make them feel at ease. Tell them as much as possible. It says there's a hundred people. Yeah, thirty of them never leave base camp, and when they come, this these guys are going to be staged outside. Yeah. Uh, this is actors are acting in that small room so obviously there's not a hundred people in the small room but they will be spread out and I said this person's here this person's here this person's here you wear them down with detail Mm. and finally they're like okay now I understand it but in their mind they're thinking there's a hundred people in the living room I could understand that and that is is not possible but then you show them everything you've rented I'm renting the garage next door I'm I've got a giant parking lot at the school, and and then they, uh, you know, explain how, how and say we did it before. I did it at your neighbor's house once. If they haven't done it, how do you know you're not getting ripped off? Well, that is why they you really need a location manager because the yeah. producer's so busy with things. Yeah. So you have a contract, and you tell them one of the great bonuses to renting your house for filming is that we pay in advance. The, they actually get the money before the filming happens. Is that a law? No, that's not a law. That's just how... No, it's, it's actually the opposite for a lot of rentals. It's like a like a retainer fee? Like No, the, the entire fee. The, the entire fee? The whole location's fee is paid in advance. What if you have to cancel that location? So you... Like you're deleting the scene. You so kind of time it. You're paying them right before you set foot. Oh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> like a day, the day before you cameras get but on. But it's before, well, the prep. So there's always a prep day or two. Right, right. And so then, the producer's kind of like. And the contract says if we reschedule, we'll come back on a different day. Uh-huh. Uh, if it's a place that does a lot of filming, they understand. And they'll just hand you the money back. But if they're. That's you know, already that's a, pre-written in the contract. I yes. But, okay. it, you know, it's a risk of doing business. If there's some shadier operators that will. Take the money. You know, once you've set on a location, a lot of wheels are in motion for 
for uh, the production designer, for the construction, everything is prepped to go into that one place. So we're going there. You're Gosh. pregnant at that point. Is the uh, is is there a secret uh, fierce competition with other location managers? Because you you must have come across a place that you really wanted for the film, but someone else wants it too. Well, if things are busy in town, if the yeah. city is there's a lot of productions at once, yeah, and you want to film in Griffith Park. Which, oh God, which everyone everybody wants. wants. So there's a system with the city where you reserve it that's the first thing you do is just so make first your come, first serve kind of thing yes okay with those kind of city locations okay if it's uh, like um a studio then you go into there in some places they say well we'll give you what's called a soft hold we'll pencil you in but it's whoever pays the first most? they no not the most oh just first. The, the money whoever reserves it and puts the money down they get it Mm. So let's say it's a very popular filming studio. There's Disney Ranch. It's owned by Disney, and they have all these sets as well as as outdoor areas. So they have a lot of soft holds on things. So right away, you put yourself in, and they go in order. So let's say it's July the 6th, after the holiday, and we have five holds, and then by mid-June... Whoever writes the check, confirms the hold, gets it. But if you're fourth on the list and you really want to go, then the nice lady at Disney Ranch will call one, two, and three and say, so-and-so is paying for it. And then you say, I'll release the hold. Or he's showing up with the money. It's like, no, 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 we really do want it. And then you show up with the money. So a place like that that's super popular, you have to get your reservation in and then... But before you're going to pay for it, you have to have done a number of scouts. So you, this location manager, is scouted first, and then you've brought the director for a director scout, and the director says, I like it. And then you do it the tech scout, which is with the department heads, and everyone goes, and they take their measurements, and they take their photos, and they decide where everything's going to go. And then you're set on it, and you say, it's a... It's a yes. Jeez. And then you have the prep schedule. So you need your assistants to, you need an assistant there every day you're prepping when they unlock the gate and then you come on in and sometimes it's a week of prep if they're building something and then there's a shoot day or five days and then the strike days, however many days it takes to Break pull down. everything out yeah. and clean it up. And in that place, you have to have every blade of grass looking like how you found it. You have any horror stories? This is... Uh, if you can share. This was a union show, and I was working with another guy. Um, he left the show, but he had found this. It was a, a series, and they needed a, a strip mall where it was his office. And so we needed like a closed mall. And it was a mall in... South El Monte or El Monte, they're separate jurisdictions. They exist? Yes. Oh. It's it's east on the 10. Okay. And so we're filming, and it was all these, it was this big empty area, and the yeah. guy had told him, this is my mall, don't worry about it. So after <laughs> we're filming, this guy shows up. That's not up. what I want to hear. No. So basically, he was the tenant who pretended to own them all what the and fuck? was pocketing the money and what signed, the a, fuck? signed a contract. What's his name? Well, I, I <laughs> know the names I won't say. So the owner, who actually had a small office down the street, saw the shooting came and start, says, you can't be in my mall. 
And we said, but we rented. We have a contract. Let me see it. Oh, you signed a contract with my tenant, and he owes me money, and you guys have to get out of here. But it was such a small town, so we called the permit office, which was in the city hall, and all of us had a meeting in city hall of South El Monte at some conference table with the mayor, the the permit office, the tenant, the owner. Oh, my gosh. And the mayor didn't want us to leave town either. So we came up with a solution. I gave some money to the owner, and the tenant gave some money to the owner, and... They kept filming because while we were hammering it out at City Hall. So that's the nightmare. You want to know that you're actually signing the contract with the owner and not someone who's posing as the owner and taking the money. That never happened again. There was one and done for me. You said the tenant gave the money back, or did the he just tenant he just fled? Had, of course, had a long-standing relationship with the owner of the building. He was the bad guy. Wow, what this, a lesson! Yes, and this city was like, well, this this is this is really a civil case. It's not a criminal case, but you really there is some fraud going on here, right? And he said, no, no, I can do. You know, wow. obviously the tenant was in bad shape because his business had closed. Owner was in bad shape because he had a property that wasn't getting rented. How do you gently ask someone proof of ownership? Mostly the whole business works on people trusting each other and working together. It's often the legal department of the studio. They don't believe anything. Rightfully. But mostly I can do the deal on a handshake and then the paperwork comes later. And I try to go into it totally honest going in. And I'll say, this is what we have, this is what we're doing, and then the person, and I've done this long enough, you can tell if someone's being an honest broker, or if they're, everything's a secret, there's probably a reason. To have a verbal agreement on a handshake, I wouldn't know how to do that, because... Well, there's going to be a contract, but there also has to be a verbal agreement, because it's a... It's a business relationship that goes on through the length of the shoot, and I'm for television, episode after episode you're coming back many times i just don't want anything to go wrong along the way and people are just greedy you know sometimes self-centered um bit of a narcissist all of that yeah yes and the art of negotiating is an incredible skill i just it helps if you've done it before you know what things cost you know what the price is you know what people generally pay so you can go like on this uh, recently i did the reshoots on the uh, show called I Want to Dance with Somebody about Whitney Houston. Oh, yeah. When they called me, they said there's going to be it's a seven-day shoot, five locations, and we want this and that. And one of the locations they wanted was a big hotel lobby mm. as well as a, a restaurant and a room, and it was a day shoot. And we called a lot of places. Some were available, some were not. And the director wasn't available until the actual tech scout and on the tech scout she didn't like the options and she said i really love the hollywood roosevelt can we go there and i said at the end of the scout on the one day of the tech scout so we called him up no one would answer the phone we i called finally i called the pool and the guy (laughs) at the swimming pool said yeah people film here all the time just come on down since covid what has changed among other things is that instead of all being in one van Everyone drives separately. Yeah. So the tech scout can be sometimes 30 cars driving. So with this tech scout was not quite that That's many. That's a so lot of valet money. It was. So we all drove there. Oh. And my assistant runs around trying to find someone. 
And when I get there, the director's already in the lobby. She has a glass of wine in her hand because it was the end of the day. And Uh-oh. then she found someone she knew, and they're having a great conversation. And then my assistant runs up, yeah, they're available on our day, and let's go see it. And all of a sudden, we're tech scouting the place. Mm-hmm. It's but dark it, in there, too. Yes, we brought some lights in. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> You mean flashlights. You no, know, well, it, you can see it. I saw it on the big screen. It looked fantastic because yeah, we shot yeah. there. But at that point, you have no negotiating angle because we're here. We're doing it. It's not like I can say mm. we're pulling out. And it was very expensive. Oh, they yeah. said a number, and we just paid it. And this show had the money, so, and that's what they wanted at that point. There's no negotiating. Mm. That's the opposite. Whereas other places, if there's like a identical condo, well, there's five of these, so there's oh, we only have this amount of money. You can at least say that, even if the director is set on it. Do you feel like uh, TV shows are using more and more? real locations than practical sets because time. The question people have been asking is, are, are these virtual sets going to really eliminate oh. locations? I hope and not. It, it hasn't happened because the um, expense of, of doing that, uh, whereas you can go to the location and, and find what you need, or, or, I mean, your question is, can you build it on stage? And the production designer... And we did a lot of this on the Whitney Houston show. He was basically like, I have these sets. This designer had done uh, the Perry Mason show, and he had all these sets in storage because it was between seasons. He's like, I can repurpose some of these, but your location fee, like the Hollywood Roosevelt, he said, this place is dressed. I don't need to do a thing. So whatever it's costing, it would cost me a fortune to build this because it's there. So if it has the exact look and is ready to go, is a lot of man hours. Actual set and paint and props, that's one expense, but it takes forever. The hours, three union painters for six days, plus their benefits and all of that. But if the place is the right color and bang, so the location fee ends up being cheaper than all the build fees. And you still have to rent a stage. So, Do you see yourself doing this for the rest of your life? I'll do this for a while. I can do consulting. I could do some work. Yeah, I've been I've been doing this so long. I'm pretty sure I'll I'll be doing this until I'm not. Do you miss directing? When you're on the set, there's 99 people who aren't the director, and there's only one director. I heard Steven Spielberg talking about his movie, which I saw, The Fablemans, and mm. you know his parents didn't really embrace his choice of a career because how many people get to be a film director one in a million one in a billion one in a million well there's some all kinds of directors but there's uh, <laughs> in the valley <laughs> yeah so you know it's and when you're out location scouting you're the only one there the whole film is and you can be it's in your hand and you say i can see yeah. how we're going to shoot all of this and when you scout the big set you walk in like the opening scene that'll be here and you shoot it because you don't just take a picture of the building you shoot it the way that it is written and you're kind of directing it at least for that day yourself so you can have that experience without actually directing the film yeah now that i've talked to you and listened to you about this you're kind of like making a movie within the movie most people don't know the diligence it takes for what you do yeah yeah because i mean you're you're like i said a major asset well you appreciate it billy and we thank you oh i do i mean you sent me that article 
like should location managers have their own Oscar category? Yes. The answer is yes. But you can't uh, do it for these awards. You just have, it has to be something that you're doing for for yourself and the crew and the audience. I, I still want that Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, everyone fantasizes about that Oscar. Yes, yeah, so it's, yeah. it's a fun night. Yeah, for everyone. I've rehearsed my speech a thousand times in my mind. Oh, yeah, fantastic. My ultimate dream is to like to win an Oscar and have my parents be there. Oh, that's great. And uh, actually, I don't have to win. I would like to be nominated, be there with my parents. That's good enough. I've met your dad. He's proud of you now. Yeah, he doesn't say much, but I yes. thank you. Yeah, thank you for uh, allowing me to even step on set and uh, continuing this, uh, you know, online friendship that led to this and hopefully more in the future. So um, if I get in the union, yeah, hopefully I'll run into you. Oh, well, definitely. Before you retire. We will stay in touch. I'm glad you're doing these podcasts and... uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's mainly for uh, sanity. I hope you uh, continue this and and your certainly your Instagram account. Yeah, thank you so much for coming and um, good luck with everything. And maybe we'll work together on something. Somehow. Hope so. All right, thanks, man. See you soon.